Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk 087 106 is our WhatsApp number. You can send us an email to afternoon at newstalk.com or follow us on Twitter. It is time to end the week with Movies and Booze. We are joined in the studio by Deirdre Malumbi, Serena Bellissimo and Mick O'Connell. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Uh, Mick, as much as I love you, I'm always fun to see uh, see you. Uh, wh- wh- why have you brought in a non-alcoholic wine? What is uh, wrong with you? I, I, I don't know, really, is, is the short and simple answer. But I, I guess I'm getting influenced by this kind of stoptober vibe that's going on. People are asking a lot about non-alcoholic wine. And this just happens to be a really, really good one, okay. which is quite unusual in in this category. Mm. Um, so let let's try to taste it with, with an with open mouth, o- open mouth and <laughs> and mind. Um, but it's called Hollow Leg. It's it's a it's a brand that's deve- <laughs> which is great. Yeah, and and the brand is developed by an Irish guy, hence the Hollow Leg. All right, um, very good. Uh, and and yeah, this is it's Alberino, and it's like really bloody delicious. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And the other one's a, a Cote d'Aron. The other about. one is a Cote d'Aron. Um, it's made by a really really great Chateau Neuf de Pap producer. They make Chateau de Beaucastel, which is a absolutely stellar, hundred and fifty quid a bottle kind of jobby. Okay. And this is an accessible price point, twenty ish. Yeah. Um, kind of version of it. Yeah. Is Chateau Neuf de Pap actually a kind of a meaningless term? Chateauneuf de Pape is the name of a very, very small town near Orange in the south and the southern round. So Orange is like one of these old kind of Roman towns, has amazing amphitheater and all this kind of stuff. And Chateauneuf de Pape is the, the Pope was there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think or the Pope them, passed yeah. through for ten minutes yeah. before going somewhere. I else. think it could have been when they had more than one Pope. Back, I, I, back in the day, I've got a feeling it was when there was plenty of Popes, and yeah, yeah. and, yeah. and the, basically, I think they just turned up there because they wanted the booze. Yeah, but if if you go into anywhere and, and you see a Chateauneuf de Pape, that could be a really good wine, or it could be Gac. So in the in wine geekery, we call the Europe. We call it the Old World. In the old world, we tend to um, we tend to kind of brand wines by geography. Yeah. So Chateauneuf de Pape is the name of a village. Chablis is the name of a village. Sancerre is the name of a village. Rioja is the name of a region. Champagne's a region. Chianti's a region. Etc. 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 So, sadly, with doing that, you can get really bad ones and quite often really good. Yeah, and, and so, like, to be able to call your, your wine Chateauneuf de Pape, does it just have to be in the neighbourhood of there, or you, you, you just, not at all? In the neighbourhood, plus you'll have to do a few, like, tick a few boxes. So, okay. for example, those boxes might be, the maximum yield you can have is 10,000 kilograms of fruit from a hectare. Or you must hit 11.5 degrees alcohol or 13 degrees alcohol or whatever the different ah, place right. has okay. Yeah. But again, in some of these places, the minimum standard, I mean, it's so easy to hit the minimum standard that really they should have tasting panels to because the worst offenders, as in the people who make the worst wine in these places, really let down the name of the people who make yeah. great wines. Yeah, yeah, because shot and nerf to pop had a great name, but yep. I think maybe because it had such a great name, then lots of people were getting on board. Exactly. Kind of thing. Uh, so, Deirdre, two Irish films today. Two Irish movies, yeah. Yeah, or, you know, go uh, go industry, but but yeah. showing 
the variety of, of the Irish film industry in the sense that we can make excellent movies and absolutely garbage movies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Shatter Neuf de Pape. There's something for everyone. It's the word the Shatter Neuf de Pape of the film world. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, the first movie we'll be talking about is uh, Lies We Tell, which is a retelling of a forgotten Irish uh, gothic novel, uh, which follows an orphaned heiress as she kind of welcomes back in uh, family me- members, but the situation quickly turns uh, nightmarish. And the second... Uh, Irish movie is called The Miracle Club which follows four women as they take a pilgrimage to Lourdes in France all hoping for their own version of a miracle. Now this movie stars Laura Linney, Kathy Bates and Maggie Smith all attempting Irish accents oh which God. has terrible results as you can imagine. And, and wh- why are they going to Lourdes and why aren't they going to knock uh, are, are my two questions. Uh. Um, they, I suppose they want kind of divine inspiration. Uh, one of them is experienced in kind of a health scare. One is coming, you know, towards the end of their life. They're all kind of mourning their uh, friend who's recently passed away. And uh, this friend's daughter, who is played by Laura and Linney, kind of uh, comes back into their lives. But they're all mad at her for reasons which eventually kind of unfold as this. OK, I already don't care. Is any Irish cliche it doesn't visit in the course of its 90 minutes? Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's, yeah. There's every stereotype. You gotta give them, uh, that you uh, can imagine. Got to give them uh, <laughs> points for that. Uh, uh, independent non-alcoholic rosé and sparkling wines are the best for tasting close to alcoholic wine. Red and white non-alcohol are not palatable. Uh, looking forward to trying this hollow leg, uh, says one texter. Someone's... <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry for laughing because I'm being a schnob <laughs> even by laughing at your question. But this is the question. Are French wines any good? <laughs> Going by their old-fashioned labels, I would expect them to taste stale and musty. French wines need to jazz up their labels like the New World wines. That's a point. This kind of sounds like someone who's about to pitch for Wines of France marketing or something. Yes. Um, um, Are French wines any good? I think, personal opinion, that the best wines in the world are produced in France. But I also think the worst wines in the world are produced in France. So there's a politician's answer for they that. They shot enough to pop, I suppose, really. But yeah, you could say they kind of, well, they didn't invent wine, but, you know, in, in terms of the modern wine trade. They, they are the home of wine. If you go into any independent wine shop, you'll see they have 10 bays for France and they'll have 10 bays for the rest of the world. Yeah. It, it just goes to show you the popularity still. And, and somewhere like Bordeaux, which we associate with really fine wine, makes more wine than all of Australia put together. So there has to be some yak. Yeah. Uh, Darren wants to know, is non-alcoholic wine uh, not just a juice, like non-alcoholic cider is Cydona? Um, not quite. The reason that they're relatively expensive, given that they don't attract the alcohol duty that we have here in Ireland, is, is they, are, they start their lives as a normal wine mm. and they have the alcohol pulled out. Yes, yeah. So it's Often a, it's boiled a out process. Yeah, yeah, that's not great. Uh, somebody else says the TS movie is out today. Is it worth going to? I don't know what that means. The the what movie? TS. Oh, I, I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. Sorry, listener. Taylor Swift. Oh, Taylor oh Swift. right. Taylor okay, Swift. right. Okay, uh, no, yeah. they weren't showing uh, previews <laughs> for that one. <laughs> Only one person on the planet could have those particular initials. Of course. How silly Fair of me. Um, no, uh, I, I, I was thinking T.S. Eliot. T.S. Eliot in concert. <laughs> 5,000 really miserable people stream out of the three arena. Uh, I saw the trailer for the movie with Irish accents. It's a no from me, uh, uh, says the texter. Well... Uh, you might want to go and see the Aquaman 2 movie. Apparently he's drunk through the whole thing. Yeah, well, yeah, a lot of stories have started to come out. So apparently on the day that they dropped their trailer, do you know how much they spent on Aquaman 2? 
$215 million. Okay. And all that's come out of it is I reckon they've got $215 million worth of drama because the Johnny Depp fans went and actually bought, apparently you can buy court documents to see what actually happened, have them released. So they bought the court documents from the Amber Heard Johnny Depp case. Yes. And the court documents that they got in this case were Amber Heard's psychologist, counsellor, I'm going to say counsellor. Yeah. Um, And in it came out all this information about how much drama was actually on the Aquaman 2 set. Apparently one of the times, um, allegedly, all of this Mm -hmm. is allegedly. Yes, of course. um, Jason Momoa turned up to set looking like Johnny Depp and berating um, Amber Heard. For the laugh. Yeah. Yeah, apparently. Oh, wow. Apparently. Oh, wow. A, 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 allegedly, as well, um, uh, Jason and Jason Wan uh, tried to actually have Amber Heard fired from this film. That had to do with the fact that they said that there was no chemistry between them. But Amber's saying that's not true because she'd beaten out three other actresses to, you know, star alongside um, um, Jason Momoa. The thing is, though, <laughs> when you have a boyfriend, I didn't know. Did you know that Amber Heard was going out with Elon Musk? Where was no. I during that? Apparently they were dating at one stage and this was the really important stage. because is... <laughs> All that tells me is she has appalling taste in men. She yeah, really yeah. does, doesn't yeah. she? But he went to bat for her because while all of this was happening... Like buying and... the entire studio and firing everyone. Exactly. Well, yeah. he got his lawyers onto them going, hey, we are not firing her. And so then they had to keep her on. But now the drama gets bigger and bigger. Apparently they've cut her out of some really important scenes and they're saying, I don't think there's going to be a press tour for this. We'll talk about the SAG after. <laughs> we'll talk about the SAG after stuff later. But because of the SAG after strike, they're not going to be going on a press tour. But could you imagine the junket and her having to confront Jason Momoa or Jason Wan saying what has gone on during this? So it's just drama after drama. Apparently, the first movie brought in, and I don't understand why, it brought in $1.15 billion worldwide. Crazy. Yeah. Do you, I, I don't get it. Yeah. It brought in big bucks in China as well. They were hoping, they knew that this movie wasn't going to do great. I mean, DC hasn't had a great run when Mm. it comes to their movies. This is the most successful in the movies. Yeah. Um, They were hoping that in China maybe they could make back some of their money this time around, but China hasn't been doing the money that it was doing before. So we just don't know what's going to happen with this. But like $215 million is a lot of money to be losing. And uh, but the two Jasons just didn't like Amber Heard. That that much is clear. Yeah, and I don't know. And what they were saying was, oh, you know, again, allegedly, the fact that she'd taken out a lawsuit against um, Johnny Depp, it was bringing all this un- unwanted attention to them, and that sort of started causing tension mm. on on the set. It doesn't sound like it was a fun set to be on. Oh no, no. But it's it's, it's often if an actor becomes better known for something else. It yep. could be anything other than the acting. Then you kind of can't see them as an actor anymore. And that's why I always bring this back to two people. Yeah. Tom Cruise, and he's jumping on the couch because after he yeah, did that Katie yeah. Holmes junk, jumping on the Oprah couch, people couldn't actually take him seriously anymore. Mm. And Meryl Streep, who has always said that, she's like, you won't see these big exposés about my life because how are you supposed to believe that I can be a nun or I can be in Mamma Mia or I can be whatever you want? And I think that's why, besides her being a really good actress, yeah. but that's why her career has had such longevity and such broadness to it because... Meryl can be whoever you want. You don't know that she loves someone and is jumping on a couch. Yeah, and you don't, you know, you probably she probably hasn't said anything strident about politics or, you know, she's just in any the back- of that kind of stuff. She's yeah. just in the background. And I'm not saying that, you know, all actors have to keep their mouth shut, but if you do want us to believe you are someone else on that screen and escape with you, 
you can't have all this drama following you. Yeah, true for you. Uh, and actually, while we're on the subject, mm-hmm. actually, uh, um, because it's kind of like today, I think the the, the Fraser, um, yeah, the new Fraser series uh, starts. Back on- uh, I'm a bit upset about this because it's on, no offence to Paramount Plus, but I don't know anyone who actually has Paramount yeah, Plus. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, I. I think Paramount Plus might not actually exist. It's just a figment. Exactly. Uh, it's just some guy in China. I remember the ads for it last Christmas because they were really um, uh, p- pitting the fact that they had Top Gun Maverick, but that seemed to be the only thing that was yeah. that was a huge draw. And mm. I haven't heard anything about the ser- service since. Yeah, no, they stole all the Star Treks from, yeah, from Netflix. That's, right. that's yeah. the only thing they yeah, have. Yeah, and I think, don't quote me on this, I think you can buy it as an attachment to your Sky package, but, like, there are so many streaming services, I cannot justify buying another no, one. No, Quote me in six months' time, though, when I go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Fraser has come back. Yeah, I- Fraser has come back. I was looking at reviews today, it seems to be a bit mixed. The, the Guardian gave it a great review, but said give it a few uh, episodes and then it finds its feet. Yeah. The Irish Brian- Times panned it. Well, Brian Lloyd, yeah. Entertainment.ie's Brian Lloyd, actually said there's an age- agelessness to the format and in the here and now, the kind of smart and witty humour Fraser provides is sorely missed and feels like something new in the current TV landscape. So okay. I just wonder, because the um, producers, the showrunners behind this said, this is not, a, you know, a lot of people are calling it a reboot, a spin-off. It's not that. It's like Frasier was in the first um, incarnation after Cheers. His life has moved on. Yeah. So in this, yeah. no, nobody's coming back. Mm. Um, unfortunately, his father, Martin, has died. So yeah. apparently the first episode is beautiful where they do address his death and then they've called the bar Mahoney's. So he doesn't even go back to Cheers. He now frequents Mahoney's and it's about his relationship with his son, Freddie. So it's the next chapter in Fraser's life. So I wouldn't mind watching it, but I, I don't know anyone who's going to be paying Paramount Money to Plus it. just for this. The th- yeah, the thing is, though, I think that Fraser is kind of like friends for it. There's a generation who would find watching Fraser as comfort. Yeah. Uh, like Channel 4 used to do like four Frasers in a row on a Saturday morning when yeah. you're lying in the bed with a hangover. It was lovely. <laughs> well, a lot of people say they've produced... Now, I don't know. I've never understand un- understood why people love Frasier so much. Like I may dip in and out of episodes, but like it went on for 11 years. It won 39 Emmys. Some people say this has produced some of the best TV ever. I would dispute that. But you're right. There are people who do find comfort in this. I wonder if Channel 4 will be able to buy... Probably not. No. Yeah. Maybe this is what they need. The Fraser effect is what will get people getting Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is amazing. Just watch finishing... uh, Just finish watching every single episode of Billions. Can you watch that on, like... I think that's, that's on, on now. now. It's yeah. on now yeah. as well. Yeah. You've been ripped off, my friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paramount Plus is free with Sky Cinema subscription. Oh, that's, but your Sky Cinema, not free. Yeah, yeah it's not free by definition. <laughs> and, like, that's another thing. Sky Cinema, who, you know, we're driving to who gives a damn time. Yeah. Uh, uh, really, because they don't really have anything anymore because most of the other streamers have sucked out all the good movie titles. Uh, Paramount Plus is a seven-day trial, so you could binge Fraser on it, uh, says James in Cork. You're going to have to wait maybe, is it 13 weeks? I'm not yeah, sure how many episodes because yeah. they are dropping them weekly, which is very smart as well. Yeah. Right, okay, well, we'll move on to our, our, our first wine of the day, the non-alcoholic one. Yeah, uh, so he says keeping the edge out of his voice. E- easing, <laughs> easing into Friday afternoon yes. <laughs> very, very slowly. But this one's called Hollow Leg. It, it's uh, developed by a guy called Ronan who runs a company here called Wine Lab. Um, and he's worked together with an Albarino producer 
from Rias Baixas, which is northwest of Spain. So the the kind of bit of Spain that's a bit Irish anyway, because it's wet and kind of cold. <laughs> but Albarino finds its home there. And Albarino has become, over the last couple of years, certainly, it's become like a Sauvignon Blanc, like a Pinot Grigio. It, it, it has become a name that people know and kind of gravitate towards. And the reason for that is because it makes delicious, crisp, refreshing white wines. Mm. Um, here, we've got an alcohol-free sparkling Albarino. So it starts its life as an Albarino and the booze is taken out of it. You you alluded to boiling it off. That is kind of what happens in all alcohol mm. uh, removal. But it's like, it's how you do that. You can do it gently. You can do it aggressively. Yeah. And you can also catch if... People who have experience in distillation, etc., you can catch the first thing that boils off, which is usually the aromas, and you can add it back in. Where the guys have done a really, really great job here is the second that you take out the booze, you lose mouthfeel. So the, the texture of the wine, it starts to feel like mm. a juice. Because alcohol, by its very nature, is kind of rich in style. It feels rich in the mouth. Booze gives that little bit of warmth and a little bit of kind of bite to the wine overall. But what the guys have done here, which is really, really good, is they've put true lees and lees are um, they're the, the kind of sediment that you see at the bottom of some trendy wines, at the bottom of some craft beers. And they've, they've stirred that through the wine to kind of replace this booze texture with a different texture. And you'll see when you taste this that it, it, it feels more vinous for yeah. want of a better word. It feels more whiny than most. Yeah. And that's not with a H. That's whiny. The <laughs> that doesn't exist. Um, but it's, it's, um, it, it's a funny thing here as well because most sparkling wine, sorry, most non-alcoholic wines in general, they have to add a bit of sugar in order to make up for the booze that isn't there. Yeah. This is dry. So like this tastes like Albarino for all intents and purposes. Um, and you, you have about, in total, in a bottle here, you have 1.5 grams of sugar in the whole bottle. That, to human perception, you can't taste any sweetness at all with it. Yes. Yeah. A lot of wines that we would consider dry wines in, in the normal alcoholic wine sphere have about that amount of sugar and you don't notice it. Mm. But it, it, it just, it's one of those things that if someone is trying to say give up booze for October because they want to reduce an amount of calories and alcohol has calories. If you go to a non-alcoholic wine, you're replacing the alcohol calories with sugar, sugar. calories. Yeah. And which is worse? Who knows? Who yeah. Knows? That's a well, debate no, for another some, day. Even so, uh, uh, with Leslie Williams on uh, um, the other day and he was going on about like Dada has... 12 grams of sugar in there, or something. I've got a feeling Dada might be a little bit more than 12. I think that's more like 20, but that's four teaspoons of sugar in a a bottle. Yeah. Um, Um, And like, look, you have people certainly at entry-level price points of wine, and entry-level price points is in that 8, 10, 12 euros a bottle. Sometimes those wines are fairly mass-produced, and you have to stick in some of the stuff that maybe a kind of higher price point wine doesn't get. So what I'm talking about there is you squeeze the grapes very hard and you put in the press wine back in. Sugar helps alleviate some of the kind of astringency that you get by putting in the press wine. So a lot of winemakers put sugar into a lot of wines, certainly the very, very successful commercial wines. Here again, 
it feels like a very adult non-alcoholic wine. Yes, it does. Where in fairness, yeah. A lot of them, again, they're just replacing with sugar, so they end up being sweet. So they taste like a fruit juice. Yeah. And this, this feels like, I'll put it this way, I'd rather drink this than most Prosecco. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I feel, feel similar, I must say. Uh, right. Uh, the, uh, I want to be a bit more adventurous with my white wine, but nearly always go for a dry New Zealand Sauve Blanc. Uh, has the one guy got a, a French white he'd recommend? Cromart wants to know. So if you like Sauvignon Blanc, you'll probably like Albarino, like we're tasting now. You'll probably like Gruner Veltliner. You'll probably like most unoaked white wines, is my feeling. But the one that I would probably go to if you want to do France is Picpoul. So Picpoul's on the kind of southern coast. Okay. Amazing, amazing with oysters. It's from um, Tau, T-H-O-U, kind of on, on right on the southern coast. And it has a little lagoon there that is known for oyster beds. And... Yeah, going to Tao, drinking Pickpool and slamming a load of oysters. That's a good way to spend okay. any afternoon. How do you or spell, evening. Uh, spell Pickpool? Pickpool is P I C P O U L, although the old fashioned way is peak as in P I Q U E. Yeah. But d- delicious, crisp, refreshing styles of white wine. Uh, one person says, watch the first episode of Fraser. I won't bother watching anymore. It was very disappointing. Some really old jokes. Many uh, you could see coming uh, at you. Uh, None of the acting is remarkable. In fact, I thought it was quite poor. I was a fan of the older Fraser, even though I thought that Fraser himself was the poorest actor in it and that he was the least interesting character in Cheers. Uh, uh, And somebody else says, could your panel please have the decency to pronounce Fraser correctly? It's not Fraser. It's Fray-Z-er. Okay. (laughs) Frazier. Uh, I'm feeling Frazier by the moment. Uh, someone else says you can get Paramount Plus on the Apple TV streaming <coughs> streaming service. You can get it anywhere, it sounds like. Um, I got Paramount on a freebie last Christmas. I watched The Offer, which was a drama on the making of The Godfather. was fantastic. Didn't keep it, though. Uh, the, uh, they called the bar uh, Mahoney's and Fraser as a tribute to the actor who played his dad in the original series, says Ken, uh, and so did Serena several minutes ago. I uh, got a three-month trial of Paramount for three ninety nine a month as I wanted to watch Yellow Jackets. Was literally nothing else of interest, but I forgot to cancel it. Uh, I paid seven ninety nine until the end of this month. Uh, so that's something to be <laughs> not fabulous reviews for Paramount Plus anyway I must say uh, right anyway speaking of uh, fabulous reviews should we talk about the lies we tell we shall yes okay the lies we tell coming up after this movies and booze I'm Moncrief on News Talk you are a prize I know so do you want someone am I to suppose you formed an attachment for me be better than taking your own blood to wed. How would you say you've been feeling, Miss Robin? Tad confined. Of what do you think to accuse me? Should we roll the dice and see? Should anything transpire? I really don't think your reputation would handle it. What is it you want? That little heart of yours. Do you think it's so little? You're mistaken. 
Right, that's uh, Lies We Tell. Not to be confused with another movie called Lies We Tell that had Gabriel Byrne in it and was released in 2017. Yeah. I only found out today. That's why it's important to Google the year of yeah. release yeah. after yeah. the title. Yeah, but, but it's fair to point out, Deirdre, a very different time period from Fair. the Gabriel Bourne one. This is, you know, this is bodice ripping stuff. This is Sheridan Le Fanu <laughs> yeah. book, is it? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So we're kind of talking, I suppose, Victorian era as yeah. kind of setting. Uh, yeah, and it's it, like uh, like I was saying earlier, it is based on a gothic novel. Uh, we're following an orphaned heiress named Maud, who is played by Agnes O'Casey, who also coincidentally co-stars in The Miracle Club, funnily enough. Um, okay. But she is absolutely extraordinary in this. So she takes in her uncle Silas, played by David Wilmot, and his two children, who are her cousins, uh, played by uh, Chris Wally, who people might remember from The Young Offenders, a very different role here, and Holly Sturton. And um, those family members gradually kind of turn the whole household against Maud um, in hopes of eventually kind of taking control of this estate that she's inherited from her father. Okay, and how do they go about taking control of it? So they're kind of gradually like turning um, the staff against her. They're kind of making these really like snide remarks. Um, there's kind of like, um, you know, an invasion of like personal space going on. And it's just all this like really kind of conniving uh, little things which like eventually like build up a lot of like gaslighting going on. And I suppose that's a, a, a word that's kind of bandied around a bit too casually now but mm. here you see that it can actually have some really quite uh, damaging implications. Um, Agnes O'Casey who uh, coincidentally is the great granddaughter of playwright Sean O'Casey she is absolutely extraordinary here. I think that she is going to be a real powerhouse of a performer and a name that we will have to watch for um, for coming up in further productions because I think that she really has a great career ahead of us uh, ahead of her. She gives so such a great, great uh, performance here as Maud, who is just kind of really trying to stay strong as she has all of these people kind of turning against her and committing all of these horrible uh, crimes and acts against her. I don't want to kind of give away mm, too much, mm. but the ambiance is really intense and breathtaking. I would almost describe it as much as a psychological thriller as it is a costume drama. And it's funny because, you know, earlier on in the show, we were talking about the mammoth budget that uh, the Aquaman sequel, sequel has. This is, film is an example of like really affecting effective filmmaking on a small pro- uh, uh, budget. This was made for something like four hundred and sixty thousand euro, and what they've accomplished Crikey. in what in how it looks and how it completely like sucks you in, and it's such a kind of simple story, but the psychology that's going behind it is so complex that you're so all enveloped in it. Like it's a really powerful piece of film, I'd say. Yeah, no, I I know you can't give too many spoilers, yeah. but what you've described sounds more, you know, could be the plot of billions available on Paramount Plus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, uh, so the. the can you give a hint as like the gothic aspect of it? Because obviously that's kind of dark and unsettling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of, yeah, I, I, I really don't want to like do too much. <laughs> okay, all right, no, fair all enough. to say like it's kind of like, like you would have even heard in the, uh, in the trailer there, like her uncle in particular is the one who's kind of setting his children against her and he kind of uh, brings in this madame who becomes very involved with kind of making her up and saying, oh, she looks kind of pale, you know, she doesn't mm. look very well. And he's also trying to basically force Maud to uh, marry his son, even though both of them don't have any romantic interest 
interest in each other whatsoever. And he basically kind of forces his son to do like quite uh, quite bad things, let's say that. So yeah. it's we're, it's interesting as well seeing uh, Chris Wally here because people would remember him as Jock from The Young Offenders. And there he plays, <laughs> you know, quite a comedic role and he looks very different. But here it's a much darker, more sinister role. And David Wilmot as well. I would personally probably know him for more for more kind of comedic and kind of lighter roles, yeah. I suppose. But again, there's something like much more dark and sinister going on here. So I just think that it's a really kind of interesting film. It's really different. Um, and it's just like, it's just t- it ticks all the boxes in terms of like a really well-made film. I think that the production design is really gorgeous. It's basically all completely set in this estate, uh, which Art Gillen Castle uh, stands in for. It's a great script, really strong direction. Uh, the cinematography is really um, gorgeous. They make really effective use of candlelight. So that's like natural lighting. And the performances are all excellent in it. Um, like I said, Agnes O'Casey, really in particular, her performance like stays with you long after those um, final credits roll. So I just think that it's a really kind of well-made film. And like you said, kind of when it, com- when it comes to Irish movies, you can get some really bad ones out there. So I think when you get a really good one, it's important it's, to kind of stand yeah. up and say this is a great movie. Absolutely. And this is in cinemas. This is in cinemas now. Yeah. yeah. Is it, do you know, is it getting a wide release? It's not just a kind of it's probably thing. yeah. It's I I think it's kind of somewhere in between is my understanding. But again, yeah. it's all about like getting bums and seats. Like once there's kind of an interest in it, then often you'll find that these movies like spread out to more theaters. So by all means, go go check. Go it and out. see it. Yes, yes, go and see it. Dear Jeremy says you should go and see it right now. Uh, right now, because we did talk about Fraser. Jerry Seinfeld. I'm so excited. Well, I mean, has he said it definitely or is he kind of hinting? No, so he seemed to be at, um, he was at the Wang Theatre in Boston on Saturday. And what he said, he told the audience, I have a little secret for you about the ending, but I can't really tell it because it's a secret. So everyone has jumped on this going, oh, my gosh, are they this finally... this specifically in relation to the TV series. To the TV yes. series. Yeah. Because, you know, they have had a semi-sort of reunion. Did you do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah. Larry, David. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They had like a four-episode arc yeah. in that, and that was almost like their Seinfeld mm. reunion. But no, because do you remember their final episode? And it was pants. It was yeah. so bad. And even he has said, you know, when it comes to comedy, you should probably be doing small funny stuff, not yeah. trying to go big and, and deep. And they're, I, I think they're almost regretting how they Oh, no, absolutely, because they put a plot into the final episode when they had but no plot a, yeah. whatsoever in, the, the, you know, the previous series. A so. show about nothing yeah. had all of a sudden become about something, but then we weren't going to be able to see how that something ended because it just ended. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it was great because they did think about bringing back every single character and it was great to see these four terrible characters actually get some comeuppance, but it wasn't the way we wanted it to end. So I think... They're all secretly, I, I, do you know what? I think we're all hoping that Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld are actually secretly plotting to give us the finale we deserve. Yeah, so, but he, it was, this was in response to a specific question about Yeah, so he was at, and- yeah. Yeah, so he was at this theatre, someone asked him about the show, and that was his response. So we are hoping that we, we may be getting something. I don't know. But can we, would you like to see a Seinfeld reunion? Yeah, I kind of wonder what, it, if, yeah, he just need the money. None of them need no. the money or the attention. So you know, they they, they could go back and 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 cast a cold eye on it, I suppose, uh, so to speak. But given that, I think in the in the end of the series, they were all sent to prison or some sort of comedy prison. But it's been like twenty five years or something. Yeah. So they've probably just been let out. Yeah, it's been ages. Since. Yeah. 
Well, maybe not 25 years, but, oh, you know. Zola Dream or, yeah, yeah. or, you know. Let's hope they don't go down the Yola Dream route, but maybe this is, because you're right, they don't need the money. It's not like they're not doing other stuff all, except for Michael Richards. He's not really doing much, but all the other actors are, are doing a whole heap. But maybe this is literally just, I don't want that being the final thing people associate with Seinfeld. Maybe they want to right or wrong. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I'll maybe, take that. Maybe Michael Richards is doing theatre, which no one tells you, like, that's not really doing anything. You know, I've been in Hollywood, you know, and Broadway for the last 20 years. That's what, Jason Alexander's doing a bit of theatre as well and directing some theatre shows as well. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. Now, uh, uh, Jada Pinkett-Smith, is she married oh. to Will Smith or not? Or is this just like, I tell you what, love, I have a new book coming up. Can we say we're separated for this week? Why are they trolling us in this way? I just can't anymore. Can, like... Whatever they're doing in their lives, can they just keep it to themselves? Because, like, I feel like they're constantly telling us about what they're doing and then telling us to sort of follow their lead. Well, the latest lead is she has a memoir coming out, so she's on the press trail, and in the memoir she's revealed that for the, the past seven years the two of them have been leading a separate life. Now, I think the reason why most people like... We're not shocked by that. A lot of people do that, right? They're separated. <laughs> They've been turning up to award ceremonies, holding hands. Uh, Will hit Chris Rock only, yeah. like, in 2022. And so people are just going, what if you weren't even together? And he was like, get your wife's mouth out of out of your, my wife's mouth out of your mouth. Get my wife out of your mouth. My wife's name out of your mouth. That was non-alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so, but wasn't that, you know, the way, like, she was having an affair with some young fellow and then there was, like, a, that red table thing they do and exactly. he went on to talk about it and everyone was dealing with their feelings and blah, blah. But apparently it wasn't an affair because, and I think that's the thing, we're so invested because we all feel like we're lied to now because they're coming out and saying all of this stuff. So, like, in six years' time when Will releases his book, is he going to go, that was all just an experiment that we were running with the world? And, like, I... I you know what it is? What is it? It's like the end of Seinfeld. <laughs> They're just going to redesign it uh, every single time. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk. We'll move on to our second Irish movie of the day. It's called The Miracle Club, Bigara. Here's a clip. She'll ruin your life. What? Isn't that what you said to Declan? She'll ruin your life? Not now, Chrissy. I was 17. I was pregnant. We were so happy. We were so... How was I going to ruin his life? I thought you were trying to trap him. He was my son, my only son. I wanted him to have a better life than I had. We would have. How did you manage it? How did you convince her to shut me out? Your mother did her best. But with your father dead, there was no one to reel you in. There was no talking to you. You were wild. Your mother forgave me. God punished me, didn't he? Taking him away like that. He punished all of us. Okay, that was uh, the Miracle Club. I got drunk, Irish accent, and, uh, um, and American woman, and who was ever 17 pregnant and happy about it, I don't know. But uh, um, So what's the general gist of the, all this? This is family drama stuff, Deirdre? Yeah, yeah, so we follow, and, and it's a shame we didn't have Kathy Bates in there because I actually think her 
Irish accent is the worst. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you can forgive the accents, uh, there's not much more else to enjoy in this movie. So we follow <laughs> from uh, Ballygar uh, in Galway, although absolutely no Galway nuance to those accents okay. whatsoever. Okay, apologies to Ballygar then. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so they take a pilgrimage to uh, Lourdes in France and the story is just... Very simplistic, very predictable, extremely dull. Um, the first third of the movie is dedicated to these women actually trying to get their tickets and, you know, fighting on and off with their husbands. But uh, we're going to Lords, even though the men are like, no, you're not going to Lords. And of course, all the women end up going to Lords. So, okay. yes, let's waste 30 minutes going into that. Right. Then why, are the, <laughs> why are the men trying to prevent them going to Lords so they won't be hitting all the lap dancing clubs Lords is face, uh, famous for? Because Irish men are completely unhelpful and useless and just bad people, according okay, to this. Okay, well, that's a documentary. <laughs> according to this. Um, And also children are everywhere. Just okay. everywhere because yeah. again we've got because we're t- having babies since we were 17 yeah, apparently exactly. yeah <laughs> so all the stereotypes in there uh, yeah and then um, and then they kind of you know they actually go to Lords and everything and it's interesting because like there is a particularly there is one scene in this which I thought was good it is powerful but it's also very bleak um, but well performed in which the women kind of discuss um, self-induced abortions because we're talking about 1967 Ireland um, but again it's just so grim that it just ends up adding to the overall unenjoyable nature of the movie. And it just feels like the whole film is trying really, really hard to emotionally manipulate you. And it's so obvious in that regard that I just didn't enjoy it at all. I just felt like I was being conned all through it. One bright side of this is, I will say, it only clocks clocks in at 90 minutes. Okay, so that's, that's good. So that's something, I oh, suppose. Oh, so it's set in the 60s then, is yeah. it? Ah, right, yeah. okay. So this is grim black and white Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. One although, channel Ireland. Although, like, it's also, like, you know, funny and silly. Like, we see, um, you know, Kathy Bates uh, going into, you know, the water in Lords to be baptised and she's, like, screaming and then uh, Maggie Smith's character is like, I'm not going in there, which is apparently hilarious. So, it's not very funny either. Yeah, it's and just, is, is Laura Lynn no, like an American in this film or, or, or Irish or what she's supposed to be? Because that was an American accent. I yeah, thought. so she so she left when she was seventeen. So she has an American accent, but ah, in certain right. lines she seems to be attempting to be like Dublin Irish. So I don't know exactly what direction she was given <laughs> yeah, here. Okay. I don't really know. Um, it's Thaddeus O'Sullivan directed. Um, and oh he would God, be, save us tonight. He knows better. I know. That's what I was thinking. Right, yeah. I just I, I, so I was quite appalled to be honest. Oh God! Love um, but, and so and they're yeah. maintaining that in in 1960s East Galway, people could afford to get th- afford to go on swanky trips to Lourdes. Well, so Laura Linney's character is the only one who kind of buys a ticket last minute, and then a couple of the women like win tickets in this competition, and then ah, right, they're, okay. they're all kind of these circumstances. But yeah, there's a whole like this whole <laughs> Jesus Jesus the there's a whole <laughs> group of them from this local town that go there, and they're like traveling with the priest and all. And yeah, like you say, how were they all able to like afford it? So it doesn't. No, it doesn't. And really do they make fly? A lot of sense. Um, they take the ferry, I believe. Ah, right. Okay. Well, but that's we don't a see the slightly ferry. more realistic. They're I just on a bus, and then yeah. all of a sudden they're on a bus. They're, in yeah, Lourdes, they just so. drove to Lourdes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's, Americans won't know the difference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll move on to our second wine uh, uh, of the day with Mick, uh, which is lovely because it's wine. It, 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 th- th- this is definitely wine. Um, so we're we're kind of going down from northwest Spain with the last one, the Albarino. We're into southern Rhone. So the Rhone Valley roughly goes from kind of Lyon down to Marseille type thing. L- little bit of a difference there, but if you're trying to picture it on a map, and this is from the Southern Rhone. This family, Famille Perron, 
Um, these guys make Chateau de Beaucaster, which is one of the most famous Chateau Neuf de Pop wines. Commands a, a very, very big price point. Depending on the vintage, you're kind of 100 quid plus for these wines. Um, they make both red and white Chateau Neuf de Pop, and okay. they make both red and white Cote de Rhone. Um, we were supposed to be tasting a red today, but there was a little accident involving glass and liquid everywhere. So we're currently tasting a white, but okay. from the exact same families. But this, the idea with red wines of this region is they tend to be Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre are the, are the grape varieties. And then in the whites, which are certainly less famous, you have Picpoul that we mentioned earlier for that listener. You have Bourbalanc, which is a grape variety that you'll never really see kind of labelled by itself, but brings this quite crisp, refreshing element to the wines. And then you have Grenache Blanc and you have Roussan. And Grenache Blanc is this really textural, kind mm. of quite quite rich style um, grape variety. And it makes these wines particularly That's, foodie. Yeah, it's lovely wine, I must this say. Is, this is absolutely delicious. Uh, this, this family makes some... Stunning wines across yeah. the board. They make Brangelina's Rosé, the Chateau Miraval. They make a lot of their own wines. But the, the most famous one is uh, is um, Chateau de Beaucassel from Chateau neuf yeah. This uh, guy is from Luberon and is their, their white. Okay. Uh, and very briefly, Serena, Madonna is back. I'm so excited. She yeah. is back in London. And I had this m- moment where I was going, if I win the cash machine, maybe I'll just fly over to London. Six sellout shows already. Um, she was going to start her celebration tour in the US, but then she got sick. So now mm. she is starting um, this weekend in London. And I, I think I love Madonna. Her last couple of tours haven't really loved. I think this one is going to be amazing. It's it's Madonna's era's tour because it's basically what Taylor Swift is doing now, but Madonna's doing it. She's covering all those things. Cause, uh, You're famously- really trying to sell it to the young people there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just think of uh, Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift, Swift, uh, but dressed as your Taylor Swift's granny as Carl going on tour. Uh, That's essentially what's happening. Uh, Serena, Mick and Deirdre, thank you all very much. Movies and booze on Moncrief on News Talk.